0: welcome back to the mel k show one of uh the people out there right now that is truly fighting on the front lines for truth and justice and uh does not back down and is not uh living in fear he's actually living in uh in a a period of time where he is making a big difference and i'm honored to welcome back steve baker to the show thank you for joining me sir
1: thanks mel good to be back
0: thank you now uh first and foremost if you could tell my audience uh that might not have seen our last show a little bit about you and then we'll get into uh you being on the front lines of a lot of things going on at this moment
1: a a little bit about me oh my goodness i don't even know where to begin uh you know (laughs) i i have uh I've been a lifelong musician. I have always done writing on the side and a little over 30 years ago with the advent of, you know, the, the internet and little platforms like prodigy and CompuServe and AOL, I began to, uh, sharpen my knives in that regard. And all of that became, myspace then it became facebook then it became a blog and now i am a a writer investigative journalist for the blaze and as a matter of fact i'm i'm really excited to announce that just uh, this morning they um honored me and announced publicly and nationally that i am now full-time investigative journalist with them instead of just a contributor
0: great news great news i just saw glenn beck at a turning point and he's he's on fire perfect place for you to be where you can really do whatever you want and uh, get the truth out without fear and no censorship.
1: Yeah, well, you know the thing that I love about the Blaze, and I, and I, and I'm I'm gonna be perfectly honest about this. This is this is a story that I've told their producers, uh, my editor in chief, is I, I have been self-employed my entire life. I I'm uh I'm, I'm one of those guys who I haven't had a W-2 wage earner job since I was in high school. And, <laughs> and you know, if I was ever going to work for a media company, they were the only one that I wanted to. Now, ha- would I have taken an offer from somebody else, someplace, other time, if it had ever come my way? Uh, maybe, I don't know, depending upon who it was, there's certainly some that I respect and some that I don't, but the uh, bottom line is, is that when that offer came for me to become a contributor with them four months ago, I was excited. It was, uh, I'm not, I'm not going to say it was an answer to prayer, but it was certainly, um, a, a very, uh, coincidental serendipitous kind of thing the, as that relationship happened. And then this, this company, and what I love most about them, if you, if you watch blaze TV and you watch any of their hosts, they get by with saying whatever they want to say, they, <laughs> they are not hired right. to parrot a set of notes or the morning email, uh, of talking points that comes out from the blaze every morning. That's not, they are hired for who they are and what they do and what their talents are and what they bring to the table. And then, um, Glenn and blaze, uh, all of that structure, they give them the latitude to go out there and be themselves. And that's why when you see them, you'll see they don't all support the same presidential candidate. They right. don't all, um, they, you know, from a, from a different, uh, spiritual Christian religious background, they come from many different backgrounds and many different faiths. Yep. Uh, they talk openly about their own particular, um, um, ideas about the way the world should work and their own perspectives and, that's what I love about that company is they are not, uh, they, they, well, they, they don't, they don't have a anybody looking over their shoulder. And again, they're they're hired for who they are and what they bring to the table. And so I am really honored and blessed uh, that this has happened.
0: Yeah, and I think that that's a perfect place for you. You know, when I look at the plays, what I do think is that they care about liberty more than anything else, and uh, and you know, and really uh, allowing people to be. Like I said, I think uh, your your gift is authenticity. There's really in your writing and in who you are and so to me i think that is what is encouraged over there because as we know there are big conglomerates similar to blaze that that is absolutely not the case uh and they've maintained their integrity over there through uh all these iterations of this evolving new media which you are a part of uh and yet not a part of because you don't uh you don't walk down anyone's path And and honestly i've watched you as you have been attacked and we'll get into some of that um, you really don't waver in what you believe. You're not on a side, as far as I can see. And uh, and that is what we need out there. So uh, let's get into what is happening with you. So... Um... You were at January 6th. You reported on it a lot. You came on this show to talk about um, some things you found about uh, the officers that had become, uh, you know, January 6th committee celebrities and the anomalies and uh, basically uh, lies involved in some of that testimony. And um, you had watched a lot of all the footage, I believe, that was worthwhile uh, or that was relevant, I'd say. And um, at that point, you uh, you were talking about it openly, but then something happens. So let's talk a little bit about the journey to where we are and uh, what happened this week.
1: Yeah. uh, On Thursday of last week, my attorney got a phone call while I was sitting actually meeting with uh, congressional leaders and congressional staff members uh, in one of the (laughs) uh, congressional uh, office buildings there in DC. I stepped out of the meeting to Uh, respond to this request from my attorney. It was seemed rather urgent and nobody likes to get that kind of uh, (laughs) message from the attorney. And he informed me that uh, this uh, long two and a half year journey investigation by the FBI department of justice into my coverage of January 6th was apparently now going to culminate in an actual arrest and charges being filed. And that I was being asked to sell present uh self-surrender this week in my hometown of Raleigh North Carolina where I'm sitting right now and so uh, that was supposed to happen on Tuesday uh immediately uh you know I I, I put out a tweet about it and you know I, I've been I, I've been very open about this since the very beginning I know yeah all. exactly and so I put a tweet out and things just exploded from there I started getting interview and media requests from all over immediately the blaze went into high gear and And then um, on Friday, I was still there working in D.C. I was actually in the Capitol CCTV viewing room for all this 41,000 hours worth of video. We had two other Blaze video analysts that were there with me. And we concluded our day, you know, just uh, before right about five o'clock. And we went to a restaurant to uh, uh, have an early dinner. And I got another call from my attorney in which he told me he had just received an after hour call from the FBI case agent who has my, has my file, my case. And he informed him that they were postponing uh, my self-surrender until sometime in after Christmas. And that they also had changed the uh, assistant U S attorney who had had my case for two years. It had been transferred to another U S attorney. And so I, of course, asked again because we can't get an answer from them what the charges could possibly be and would they still won't answer that question. The, The FBI agent answered it thusly. He said that he himself did not know what the final decision would be by the DOJ and that he wouldn't know until a magistrate had actually signed off on my warrant. So that's the the extent of what we know. know, All all I knew is that I was at least getting a a reprieve until after Christmas. And then uh, two days ago, another one of my attorneys that's now in my growing team of attorneys has um, uh, had the opportunity to speak with the new AUSA uh, that has my file. And he was able to ask him the same questions. And he said that he would not reveal what my charges would be because he knew that I would go public with it instantly and of course they know i will uh but that's you know it seems it seems a rather uh a petty uh, reaction to that because if you know tell us but see that's that's the kind of cloud that we've been under for two and a half years the not knowing you know they always say that the 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 punishment is the process and for two and a half years i've carried this weight around this stress this question um uh, n- not knowing what my future holds and uh they seem to want to continue with that process for at least a few more weeks now they're telling us that although they don't have a date set for my requested self-surrender that it likely will be sometime mid-january and uh, that they'll at least give me a week and a half two weeks notice because you know Despite all that I've been through, the one thing that they have done is they have been cooperative with my schedule. I travel a lot uh, with my job, with what I do, the investigations. Hey. I, I, I split my time uh, mostly now between D.C. and Dallas because that's where Blaze is based out of, right. uh, as well as yeah. my home here in, in Raleigh, and and speaking engagements and such as that. I'm gonna be in New York on January 6th, speak or actually Long Island speaking at an engagement up there on the sixth. And they have, as I said, all the way from the very beginning, they have at least worked with me on my schedule, which probably should tell the American people that they know that I'm not a threat. Yeah. That I'm not a terrorist. Um, I, you know, I've, I've received in the last year, a congressional press badge. Why didn't the FBI deny that? Um, I continue to go into DC regularly every week or so I'll be back there again and probably next week and or the week after Christmas. And then I have, um, uh, you know, I, I've not been restricted in my movements in any way. I know that they're listening. I know that they're watching. I know that they're monitoring every single thing that I do and everything that I say. I've written millions of words. God knows I've written hundreds of thousands about January 6th. And so they're they're compiling a dossier on all of that. And as we know about all of these cases, ultimately at the end of them, uh, the speech is going to be a part of whatever the charges are going to be because they don't have me doing violence. They don't have me on any, a single camera, uh, parading, protesting, carrying a flag. Uh, I wasn't wearing any Trump paraphernalia because I've never been a Trump supporter.
0: Right. I, I wonder if that's why you're being treated, uh, with, with this level of, uh, it, it is, it appears, uh, respect. I was going to say, um, cause you've been openly like, from all of your reporting i followed you before i even connected with you um you always seem nonpartisan in your in your reporting on this completely so they can't really paint you as uh some kind of uh, MAGA trump supporter uh i wonder if, if that is do you think that has something to do with how you're being treated as opposed to like an owen Shroyer?
1: i think that that's been uh, a point of consternation for them about what to do with me because they cannot put me in a courtroom and paint me the way they have done even other independent journalists because other independent journalists who have been arrested, charged, tried and convicted and even imprisoned uh, for their January 6 activities, they, as a general rule, have been and had a track record of being um, a Trump supporters. Not all of them. Stephen Horn is a great example of somebody okay. who had never been in prison in that regard. Uh, on the other hand, uh, J. D. Rivera out of Pensacola. He spent you know he was he was sentenced to eight months in prison. But he had been an activist for Trump, even though he behaved himself as a journalist that day. He didn't do anything untoward. He didn't do anything different than what I did other than just go through the building with he had, you know, brought all of his professional gear. He was being contracted by a a um, uh, television station out right. of mobile. and and yet, uh, he he was so, you know, uh, appalled at this he decided to stand on the fact that he was being uh selectively prosecuted whereas other independent journalists and even mainstream journalists some 60 odd of those who went through broken windows went through doors uh, came in from the outside entered restricted space themselves and were not being charged were not being um uh arrested for this and he was that he decided to go to trial with that and the net result is is they punished him he could have taken a plea deal on a single misdemeanor. He was only charged with misdemeanors. He wasn't violent. He didn't d- damage any, uh um, property. He didn't obstruct Congress. He didn't do any of those things. And even as a misdemeanor defendant, he was first of all swatted. He was the first person arrested in Florida, uh, for misdemeanor, you know, and, and never in the history of the FBI have they swatted misdemeanor, uh, you know, offenders of any kind for any, you know, J6 or, or otherwise. And so, uh, the fact that he didn't take the plea deal, they've made an example out of him and they sentenced him to eight months in prison. Fortunately, he's already served his time. I think he did yeah. about seven months and now he's out.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it's but, you know, it's truly devastating at this point because so much evidence has come out. Your evidence alone, do you think uh, and and you can tell my audience a little bit about it. Do you think that what you uncovered uh, when you were looking at the video about the officers, um, and their testimony being false to the January 6th committee and otherwise and in trials. Do you think that this triggered the arrest? Do you think that they had been waiting for something? Uh, what? Because I, I want I want my audience to know that you found um, when you went through the footage, uh, you were able to prove that some of the testimony by the officers that were on um, the January 6th committee and had testified against people was false. Uh, right. And do you believe that that might have triggered this or do you think that they were all already in the works?
1: Well, we know that it's been in the works for two and a half years because I did my first FBI interview in, uh, well, they contacted me at first, rather, in July of 21. I actually uh, sat for an interview, a two-hour interview with two agents in October of 21. And then in November of 21 was when my attorney received an email from a then uh, uh, assistant US attorney, Anita Eve, who had my case then uh, that saying that I was going to be charged within the week. Now that was, that was, would have wow. been, would have been Thanksgiving week two years ago. And then after that, they went silent for 20 months. We didn't hear from them at all. And uh, then 20 months later, August of this year, my attorney calls me back again and says, I have a service of process notice for you. We need to go pick it up. So he went over to the FBI field office here. He picked up the uh, subpoena as a grand jury subpoena for all of my January 6th videos. And we were then obviously aware as a result of that, that they had uh, still had an open investigation into me. And we were able to learn directly from the FBI agent that, in fact, that was the case. And then we didn't hear from them again for another four months until last last Thursday. So it's been an ongoing process, whether they're just finally getting to me or not. That's one way to speculate about it. The timing is certainly curious with the things that I had been revealing. There's been a succession of reveals that uh, have come out as a result of my investigations, specifically into the Capitol Police behavior, not only at the in the, you know their testimonies before Congress, uh, in various trials, uh, as well as we have uh, most recently been able to show and prove cover up within Capitol Police to hide some misbehaviors of these officers. More of that story is coming. We're not going to stop. We have a lot more uh, of this revealed before we get into the next batch of stories that we have been harvesting video, uh, to show the American people.
0: Now, how were you chosen to be able to see this footage? Because you're, you're one of the few, um, journalists that were, uh, picked out to be able to go in there and, and look at all of what what footage you wanted to, how did that transpire?
1: I snuck in there one day. (laughs) 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 It's that's, that's only a slight, um, exaggeration. No, back When, if you remember when Tucker Carlson was announced that he was given access to the video. And first of all, we have to put to rest the idea that Tucker or Fox was given 41,000 hours of video. That did not happen. Uh, His producers, his team was given access to a viewing room in one of the congressional buildings there in DC to review this video. And because it's such a daunting process and because they had not done the work, like for instance, myself and other uh, journalists, investigative journalists had done, uh, their producers called me. I had two uh, long conversations with them. I suggested things that they should be looking at. Uh, they did take one of my uh, suggestions and then all of a sudden, you know, after two days of reveals, you know, Tucker suddenly stopped talking about January 6th. And then just a few weeks later, he was gone. And so as a result of the work that I had been doing, I had been interacting right. myself on a particular story with Joe Hanneman at the Epic times. And Joe and I actually had been interviewing and developing Lieutenant Tart Johnson as the first whistleblower to come out. Well, not the first, but one of the whistleblowers to come out of the Capitol yeah. police. Right, And so that behind the scenes work, um, uh, And the growing relationship that I had with Joe, when he got the opportunity to go into the room for his second time uh, for video analysis, they had an open chair. He had, he himself and one of their producers and he had an open chair and he invited me to go in with him on the third chair. So I did that. And that's how, that's how my relationship got started in that I ended up being one of the first five journalists to have access to the video it was myself, uh, Tucker, Joe, um, Julie Kelly, and John Solomon were the first five. And essentially, the committee, the congressional committee, used that experience with us to develop the process going forward so we were oh, the right. guinea pig they used right. to test out how to administrate that because you know obviously this is something that they had never done before they didn't have they didn't have uh, staffers uh, trained and hired how to do this and so they, they used that to work out the media access process for this and since then i've been back in a couple of other times i've been back in Uh, a couple of months ago with uh, Blaze Analyst, and then we were just there last week uh, doing the same thing again, and I will be back up there again uh, early next
0: year. Oh, I hope you're enjoying the show. I was just talking on my new Patriot mobile service. I have to tell you, I'm so excited. They are incredible. They are America first. They, They align with my values. And you know what? It's unlimited minutes, unlimited text, Wi-Fi calling, unlimited data, high speed, everything that you could use, just like everyone else. We have our time, we have our vote, and we have our money. And the great thing about Patriot Mobile is your service will be exactly the same. Difference with Patriot Mobile is they are an America first company. And what they do is they reinvest their money into causes that matter to me and matter to you and matter to this nation. At Patriot Mobile, those causes are the First Amendment, the Second Amendment, life, liberty the pursuit of happiness the constitution and our children's future so please go to the show.com patriot mobile is a partner of ours please use the code mel what i can tell you too is that they are supporting me and they are supporting creators because they believe in the first amendment they believe that censorship is wrong and they are going to put their money where their mouth is do what you can for the creators out there that are doing what i'm doing please go to patriot mobile mel K show All I can say is thank you so much, guys. Supporting my partners supports me. And Patriot Mobile is absolutely awesome. I checked them out. We're switching to Patriot Mobile and we hope you do too. Thank you so much. Now, you've you told me last time, and I think people don't understand this. They hear 44,000 hours and all of that. But there's that all of that footage is not relevant. Right. I mean, mean, what what of that? footage. And and is it the day before, or are we just talking about January 6th? Are we just talking about the hours that 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 the um Trump was speaking and the people were there? What what does this entail and, and what actually uh is in that in that footage that's that's truly relevant to what we're what we're trying to uncover and understand here?
1: Well first of all, the forty one thousand hours comes from a twenty four hour day of January sixth from midnight to midnight january 6th and times roughly 1738 cameras so if you do that math you can see that's pretty close to forty-one thousand hours it's actually the access is more than that because they're giving us the access to the day before and the day after as well um now you asked about relevant hours and that's where it becomes really tricky actually it's a lot less because you know the 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 meat of what happened that day was obviously when the protesters first started arriving in the morning. And then, of course, after the, the protesters were driven off of the Capitol campus later that afternoon and into the early evening. So that's the meat of it. Right. But we have been learning and discovering that we can spread that out and we can start looking earlier and earlier in the day, uh, five o'clock in the morning, and we wow. can start seeing who was arriving maybe on those quote unquote uh ghost buses (laughs) that representative Higgins talked about. Um, but more importantly, and I think that this is where, uh, this becomes an important aspect of our work is because the 1,738 cameras worth of information are not all useful because there's right. most of those cameras, there's no protesters. There's no individuals on, uh, doing anything or, or even in sight on these cameras. Uh, there's just, there's just a lot of, uh, these cameras that are just covering empty hallways or they're faced towards elevators right. and staircases and doorways that are not being used in the Capitol and no protesters ever come into sight there. But, only about 650 of that 1,700 cameras were ever made available to the defense teams in what they call discovery. And I had to look beyond those 650 cameras in order to find the kill shot on the story about Special Agent David Lazarus because he was in an area of the Capitol complex where no protesters were. This is where they were evacuating senators out of the building. But unfortunately for those who were accused and falsely convicted, he testified against them and said that he had been a witness to an event that he could not have been there physically. And in fact, we found him in another building across the street, a quarter of a mile away from the building where from where he claimed that he testified uh, uh, under oath that he had seen the interaction between Officer Harry Dunn and four of the Oath Keepers and claimed that it was a highly contentious, uh, agitated um, um, confrontation, when in fact, we also know that that wasn't true. But more importantly, he said that he saw it three or four times as he passed through that area in order to rescue some of Nancy Pelosi's staffers out of her offices. Well, I had a hint and a clue from back in the trial over a year ago that he might not be telling the truth. So as soon as I got unrestricted access to this 1700 cameras rather than the 650 that the defense teams had i was able to find out where he really was what he was really doing and that it was absolutely a physical impossibility for him to have witnessed what he claimed to have witnessed in that trial
0: yeah and what's really uh you know we have to see we're dealing with a uh obviously a department of justice and a whole bunch of cases where it does not appear that we are functioning as as intended in the legal system because you would think that because he was relevant in a lot of these uh, people that have already been found guilty or um went to trial and you would think that all those cases would be thrown into question now we don't know uh, what's going to come of that um but we do know that uh there is a, a supreme court will be looking at one of these uh charges i believe it's obstruction of a uh a official proceeding. Um, mm-hmm. What is going on? Because there's a lot, you know, you know, I mean, you've been on the front lines of this. There is so much, um, as, as the government propagandists would say, misinformation about this. And I think it's important for people to understand what is really going on. So what is going on with the Supreme Court? Because you do see there's also what's sad is there's a lot of uh, it looks like fighting amongst January 6th defendants, uh, January 6th lawyers. January 6, people that are journalists and and I think most sane people that just want to know the truth. Uh it's hard to figure out what's real.
1: Well, you have opened up two giant cans of worms there, not just one. So I'll I'll jump on the um obstruction of official proceeding charge, first of all. Uh this this is a rather uh, as I say, a novel uh application of that law. That law was originally a applied back in the Enron, Enron scandal when there were um, documents that were hidden, suppressed, uh, uh, deleted, destroyed, whatever. And, and suddenly now they're applying this to the action of individuals that came into the Capitol long after the Congress had already adjourned and already were evacuated and 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 they're applying this obstruction of an official proceeding, a charge to them, as we say, in a novel way or a new way. And the reason why they're doing this is so that they can they can apply heavier um, penalties to some of these what I call accidental tourists. Now, look let's be perfectly honest, there were bad people doing bad things. There were people that were very much involved in the breach of not only barricades and uh, police lines, they were battling, they did damage, they hurt people, they hurt cops, they attacked journalists, they broke windows, they busted open, uh, you know, it got through and then opened doors from the inside. But then there was hundreds and hundreds of people then that just walked through accidentally after that uh, unaware that they were doing anything illegal at all, they 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 had never themselves attacked a cop, uh, they had never broken a window, but they walked in with their cell phone cameras, took a couple of selfies, and then the uh, there were there were people early on charged with this fifteen twelve obstruction charge, but they started applying it to more and more of the basic misdemeanor offenders, because the left. The politicos, the left-wing media, the the left-wing uh, inhabitants of social media were angry that more people were not getting more severe penalties. They were getting off with probation on one charge you know, for parading or for the, the glorified trespassing charge, that sort of thing. And so they started adding this in in the past year to more of those charges that they had not. So there have been hundreds of people that were arrested and not charged with the 1512. And then this year they started throwing that on. Well, this I mean, this was just horrific because this is a felony charge that carries up to a 20 year prison sentence. And so the first batch of people that didn't get charged with that, now you have the, this new batch of, of arrestees are being charged with that. So I, I can tell you that from my, you know, sourcing from the people that I talked to, from the attorneys uh, that have been in chambers with some of the judges, that some of those judges themselves yeah. that have been uh, overseeing and adjudicating these January 6th cases, they actually believe, now this was told to me before the Supreme Court even took this up, they told me that they believed that These judges are saying that they believe that not only would the Supreme Court take the case, but they believe that the Supreme Court was going to kick it out. And that's going to throw the entire justice system as it relates to January 6th into disarray, because there's a lot of people that have already served time on that. A lot of uh, sentencing enhancements that have added years to their sentencings because of that particular charge. Um, And they're going to have to go back and review all of this. And then how do you restore people's lives who have been ruined because of that charge already? Not to mention those who have committed suicide because that was then later added to their charge. So end up, you know, uh, you know Matthew Perna obviously right. is the name that exactly. comes to mind. Yeah, and yeah. and uh, he couldn't he couldn't take it. You know, he thought he was going to do maybe a couple of months in in jail for you know a misdemeanor charge, and then they throw the fifteen twelve at him, and he's looking at three to five in prison, and he just psychologically emotionally could not handle that, and he took his own life.
0: Yeah. And, that, you know, that's been the hardest part, I think, of watching this. And even you talking about the two and a half years that it was kind of dangling out there. There's no human, I don't believe that, it, you know, could, it's it's just, it's very anxiety provoking. It keeps you on the edge. You, you kind of can't move forward. You can't move back. You're kind of in a state of constant, you know, when's the next shoe going to drop? And, and you know, obviously the Matthew Perna is horrendous. And, and you know, that charge was the uh, according to his aunt um the straw that he just it, it really scared him but um i think the psychological uh, operation that is going on here the the and not just to to the defendants not just to the journalists like you but to the country has been so damaging and so divisive it's shocking to me that more people aren't um outraged at at the whole process but it does appear that um you know, that it's done uh, a lot of damage. And now we're at a place where a lot of it is going. A lot of things are going to the Supreme Court for the first time in my life. There's so many things going in front of the Supreme Court right now. uh, This particular Supreme Court that are really, uh, you know, can make the difference in a lot of lives and in this nation. How do you feel about um, not just this, the 1512, but all of the things going in front of the Supreme Court having to do with uh, Donald Trump, with his, uh, immunity with uh you know now with uh, some of the jack smith stuff i mean this is a, a very bizarre time because this this supreme court has been so battered and beaten and and divisive to begin with I,
1: I will i will distill the answer to that question down to a simple comment here uh as somebody who's never been a donald trump supporter um i was actually uh, Virulently, uh, <laughs> uh, hashtag Never Trump in 2016, not because of what he had done or whatever. I, I thought he was. I just scored him as a zero on my liberty quotient. You know, I'm a I'm a political libertarian. Right. I you know I scored uh, Hillary Clinton at about a 15 percent on my liberty quotient. I had. Trump at a zero because he had demonstrably and vocally been on every side of every issue at some point in his lifetime. Mm-hmm. And, and so he had no legislative record. He had no record as a uh, executive in government, as a mayor, or a governor or a president, obviously at this point. So he had no idea what he really would be uh, only other than what he was just saying at the time. So I didn't know who he was. And, um, and so uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just kind of a hardcore math guy when it comes to things like that. And, and when we got to 2020. I did, in fact, vote for him in 2020, and the reason for that is, is I had him at about 50 50 on my scorecard. Oh. I had um, I had uh, Biden at about a negative 15 on my scorecard, and and the I had the Libertarian Party at, as a uh, wasted vote on my scorecard. So it was just it was just a matter of of hardcore math uh, at that time in 2020, and so I I wiped the slate clean when. President Trump was elected and I began the process instead of hashtag never Trump, I started scoring him in the various articles and commentary that I would write uh, and I would score him as uh hashtag good Trump or hashtag bad Trump. And as I said, at the end of his first term, I had him at about 50 50. He would have probably scored higher than that had he not blown the covid situation so horribly. Uh, but that's another story. But so let, I said I was going to do it simply and I didn't. But let me go back to what I intended to say uh, initially uh, after your question is that even though I've never been a supporter of Trump over the last couple of years, I've been forced into being a defender of Trump against these attacks by government, uh, by our governor uh, and and by the left, by the progressive movement. Um, and and honestly, I, I still have preferred choices above and you know, above him for this particular primary season. But I I am not only working and have been working with uh, uh, other teams uh, behind the scenes uh, with regards to this election, but I've also been working with his legal and investigative teams on his January 6th D-, uh, D C trial. I've been working with them as well. I, and it's and it's not because I'm non. I, I may just slightly correct what you said earlier. I, I certainly would not con- categorize myself as nonpartisan. I am. I, I see. I see the the uh, American uh, dream and the American system through a constitutional uh, originalist libertarian founding of this country. And that's what I hope we can get back to someday. So I see everything through that lens. And uh, that's how I see January 6th. And I see the persecution against innocent uh, individuals through that lens. I don't see the same way. And this, this is, I'm going to segue now into one of your earlier comments and questions about the various factions with January 6th and the the the, the infighting between attorneys and, and different journalists and that sort of thing. I do my best not to engage in any of those discussions on social media, as so many are want to do. I don't do that because... There are many of these journalists who are doing investigative journalists who do great work. They don't always get it right. And I'm not going to say that I always get it right 100% of the time. In fact, I have changed my mind about things I've seen and the way I've evaluated them and the way I've assessed them since uh, this all went down three years ago. Uh, As more evidence, as more um, video comes available, I have have been able to... um, reevaluate some of my initial assessments about specific circumstances and events and individuals with relation to January 6th. I have not always gotten it all right, but when I find new information, I tend to uh, go with the facts and the details as they are presented to me. So I see too many of the other uh, journalists working on this as maybe reacting too quickly and out of context with the information that they get. I'm not going to I'm not going to reference any specific um, examples right now, or certainly not going to name names. But there are also there's another group beyond that. Those of us who make mistakes, that those of us who have a very particular agenda, and as a result of that agenda, they have myopically viewed J6 through one you know yep. lens, mm-hmm. and uh, and that prevents them. From seeing the overall truth, it prevents them from seeing facts change and making that adjustment in the way they cover this. They're they've they've taken a position hard line and they're just not going to let let go of it. So I, I get complaints from some of them that I don't share their their stories or their videos or that, and it's because something in their story is not exactly right. And I right. I, I won't I won't. Do that i also will not participate in the back and forth on that i i don't um um i i have not declared i've not taken a position i won't i don't get into the arguments between the desantis and the trump camps on Me the neither. primary uh. i will not uh i will not engage with the various factions between the j6 attorneys the j6 groups and cliques um and i i'm i'm just Quite frankly, I'm just focused on the work that I have in front of me. I I have I have a pile I can't even get to. I have am fortunate now working with the blaze that I have a team of people that are helping me present these stories, but I still have to go and and do the hard work to find the evidence and find the truth. And, and this is not easy. I mean, just the Lazarus story at all, it took me over a year from where I, when I first became suspicious that there was there, some there, there, Yeah me to finally roll that story out and some people have been mad at me and they criticize and and this is the typical kind of you know bs you see on x and other social media sites is i get attacked for not not revealing what i know if you know something you need to tell i've seen it yeah Yeah, and i'm like you don't understand i mean first of all there's the legal aspects of bringing charges like this that i have to be i mean i have to have everything buttoned up completely look at the lawsuits that Fox has had to uh, put up with from dominion and uh from ray epps for defamation and that sort of thing and and if we're going to tell a story like that and we're going to accuse a a federal officer of perjury in a trial i mean you how many you know how many sets of eyeballs had to had to look at my evidence first uh, i mean how many editors lawyers um how much scrutiny that went under yeah. uh It's, it's not an easy process. And, and until we get all of that cleared, we can't roll with these stories. And I am, look, I'm heartbroken that there's um, wrongfully convicted individuals (laughs) who've been sitting in prison for years now. And, and I'm working behind the scenes as best I can to accelerate these stories and get them out there as quickly as we can. But see, the other side of that is we've just now gotten access in the last few months to the opportunity to harvest this evidence. And so that's that's a huge part of it.
0: Yeah, that's why I misspoke and called you uh, nonpartisan. I know you're a libertarian because um, what I have watched in your work, particularly because I have alerts for you, is that you're really just trying to put out facts and that you know more than you're saying because you're still collecting information. Last time that you were on, the one thing that really moved me and changed my my thoughts is you said that there are people that We don't know the full story about them, why they haven't had their day in court or, you know, why they this and, you know, many other things. And like you said, there are many people reporting that are so one sided, you know, it was a setup, this and that, that they won't even go to. Well, there were people that are guilty and that did do wrong. Like there's there's there is a faction of people that are like everyone should be pardoned. Nobody did anything wrong. And then there's a whole nother side. Everyone, regardless of what they did in the Capitol, should go to jail for, you know, as long as they can. So staying away from both sides is really what I appreciate um, in your work. It just seems like you're just trying to get to the truth. Um, now, I, I do want to ask you about uh, what is going on with libertarians, because now I'm at <laughs> a place uh, right now. I, I I don't believe in either party. I think that they're both thoroughly corrupt to the core rnc dnc act blue win red i think it's all the same i think after they win they just uh all go forward uh pretty much in lockstep these days which is sad for we the people certainly for liberty um but uh you know and i've always been i like ron paul a lot of what he says but i'm not really sure where the libertarian party is right now it seems like they're all fighting amongst each other which is a shame as well um it does seem that the middle ground has been so muddied uh, in so so many ways. So when I hear people talking about 2024, um, I'm on a, a roundtable with a lot of libertarians uh, every other Monday night called Union of the Unwanted. And, uh, you know, the last iteration of the election, a lot of them didn't even vote. Um, and now some of them are going to be voting, um, you know, this time. But what about the people that don't vote? What about the people, you know, I'm told that like, you know, 150 million Americans don't vote at all, which is, uh, you know, interesting. I didn't I didn't know that many people did not vote. But um, what about the people right now that are going into 24? And I hear a lot of talk like I'm just not going to vote. What, what do you make of that? And how is that helpful? I mean, then you're just defaulting to who cheats the most.
1: Yeah. Well, I I will start with saying that I am also not a member of the Libertarian Party. I'm what we would call a small L Libertarian. I've never been a member of the party, although I have my my associations and relations within the party. I've actually spoken to many Libertarian Party groups around the country. I have uh, attended Libertarian Party events, um, meetups and uh, political rallies, that sort of thing. It's just uh, uh, it's it's, you know they are just as divided and in conflict with one another as the factions within the GOP. I mean, libertarian party probably has it even worse because you either come to libertarianism from a left perspective or a right perspective perspective and then when you get in the same room together you find out you don't agree on abortion and you're about 50 50 split on that you're 50 50 split on border issues you're 50 50 split on police and military uh all you find out what you're because you come from your you know uh, presuppositional uh political um uh upbringing, upbringing and and indoctrinations and so you bring all that to the table and it's why they are in such chaos right now themselves uh so I I choose not to again engage myself with any of that I I wish we could just go back and look at the Bill of rights and yeah. all agree on that and can we fix that first if we can do that then we might get somewhere uh if anything I'm I'm more of what they would call a classical liberal because that is my focus, is what the Bill of Rights says. And if if we focused on the Bill of Rights, 90%, 95% of these J6 cases would have never gone to trial and would be thrown out. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, as I said before, uh, there were extremely bad people doing extremely bad things that day. There were, uh, and I'm talking about on both sides of the of the police line. Right. There were illegal actions taken by police that day in terms of their use of force. They they violated their training with regards to use of less than lethal munitions. Uh, they did invite. They did in fact incite otherwise nonviolent observers in the crowd to throw themselves into violence and we've heard that on audio from the cops behind the police line saying you know what are we doing every time we throw one of these things in there um you know 10 more people get mad at us
0: Mm -hmm. well yeah
1: you're going to use them illegally that's exactly what's going to happen and and then on the other side, you had very obviously um, trained, paid agitators. Uh, I have no problem saying that whatsoever. Do I know who paid them yet? No. Um, we do know that Sergeant at Arms of the Senate, Michael Stinger, the late Michael Stinger, in his only Senate testimony said this was an opportunity for us to investigate and learn who those paid agitators were and who they were working for. It's taken us three years, but we're, we're grinding it out. And I hope that we are close. Um, but, uh, um, I think, I think we're going to have a breakthrough there pretty soon as well. And, and when, when we do, it's going to change everything and they're not going to be able to ignore us, uh, anymore when we get the kill shot on that uh, piece of information and the evidence thereof. So there's, there's still a lot more work to do with regards to this and, uh, to go back and finish answering your your previous question, I about people not voting. Um, you know, it's certainly one of their constitutional rights. <laughs> you said, you know, 150 million. Obviously, of that 150 million that million, don't vote. A lot of them are not 18 yet, or, or a lot of them are not qualified otherwise, or they shouldn't be because of their um, immigrant status and that sort that sort of thing, uh, or because they're dead. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it's just, and, you know, it's it's to me, I just think people have lost faith in, in all of it. And and that's that's really more what I'm talking about are the people that used to vote, but now they no longer feel like it's it's real at all. You know, so so it's it's kind of a bizarre place to be. These aren't people that that I'm talking about um, aren't people that never voted. I'm talking about people that now
1: for choosing not to. Right. Well, it, 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 and, and rightfully so, or their disillusionment is um, right. is justified, by. but giving up is another thing. Uh, I'm, I, I still think you have to, as that's why I said I'm a hardcore math guy, I yeah. still think you have to eva- evaluate each of those individuals. I evaluate them on their votes, not on what they say. I don't care what they say. I care what they do when they get to Congress and I will vote based on that. So I have no problem going out and looking at all of the think tanks that Rate these guys. You know, there's tons of them out there doing that. The various uh, liberty scores and voting records, and and these are on the left and the right. right. And I can pull a dozen of them, and I can take an average, and I can see, for instance, that uh, Lindsey Graham votes with the left more than he does with the right. So anybody that calls him a conservative is an idiot. I can see that. You know, um, former Speaker McCarthy voted with the left, 48% of the time. I can see that the current speaker, Mike Johnson, uh, has voted with the Democrats 28% of the time. That's too high of a number for me. But if I have to choose between Johnson and Pelosi, right? <laughs> I'll, so. I'll, I'll choose Johnson. If I have to choose between a Trump and a Biden, even though I don't like Trump, In so many ways, I will choose a Trump. If I have to choose between a Jordan and a uh, Jamie Raskin or whatever, I I will I will choose the Jordan. But at the end of the day, if I have to, you know, since you you kind of put me on the spot here earlier about you know the the libertarian aspect, you know, the 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 one guy in Congress that I refer to as my spirit animal is Rand Paul. Yeah,
0: me too. And
1: yeah, I mean, (laughs) yeah, you know. It's uh, of all the – now, has he cast every single vote in his career? Have I agreed with every one of them? No, I haven't. Um, But I have agreed with him 95% of the time, and am I going to kick him to the curb because that 5% out of the hundreds of votes that he's cast that I disagreed with? No, because by way of comparison, what am I going to get in – you know, uh, as an option to a Rand Paul or a Thomas Massey or uh, right. some of these guys that are actually hold, trying, doing their best to hold the line. And you can go look at their voting records and see that they are scoring properly as re- as it relates to the Bill of Rights and to the Constitution.
0: Yeah, I feel that way too. I, I think the Constitution and the Bill of Rights and, and quite honestly, for a libertarian to find out that uh, 23 million people work for the federal government is <laughs> disturbing. Uh, We have a problem. We have a lot to fix. Uh, uh, But we do have a map. Like you said, if we would just go back to the Bill of Rights, uh, a lot of things would be, uh, you know, able to be remedied. Um, Steve Baker, uh, thank you so much for being here. Can you tell everyone where to follow you? And now, uh, I guess, regularly at Blaze. Congratulations on that. That is awesome. Uh, So please tell my audience how to keep up with you and uh, what is happening.
1: Yeah. All of my social media is under one simple handle. It's TPC 4 USA. It's TPC, the number four USA. That's Twitter. That's Facebook, as well as my locals community. That's where my blog is. And that's where I, that's where I reveal things that I don't even talk about on the blaze. Uh, and now, you know, now that I'm, Officially going to be an employee of the Blaze effective the first of the year. Even some of that aspect may change a little bit, but I, I don't know what the, well, I'll, I'll wait and see what the contract looks like. But the um, the, the bottom line is, is that uh, I will still have some autonomy over there so people can get some inside scoop on what I'm doing, what I'm working on, because I, I regularly try to share uh, behind the scenes insider information there to the subscribers of my blog. And then um, obviously uh, the, the Blaze, uh, media. or the blaze.com rather and that's where my bigger stories and where the video releases happen and and we've got some really, really big stories coming that are in the pipeline.
0: Well, God bless you, sir. And uh, I am praying for you. I'm sure everyone that's watching this is. Uh, You are the, I I think a great example of somebody that is truly uh, for the truth and uh, really wants to see justice wherever that lies. So thank you so much, Steve Baker. Have a great holiday. And uh, I will see you in the new year. And between now and then, keep up the great work. And I will talk to you soon.
1: Thank you, Mel.
0: Thank you, sir. Everyone's been asking me what I've been doing because I am in better shape than I've been uh, probably, maybe in my life. And I am now thriving and I have so much energy. I'm going around, I'm doing all these tours and i'm doing the show and i'm showing up at small events and big events and i'll tell you the one thing that's definitely changed my life is superfoods mel k superfoods when i got involved with superfoods in the beginning i was not eating right i was not sleeping right i was not uh it was mid covid so i wasn't really doing much, and I was doing a lot of things wrong. And then I found superfoods, and it has changed me from the inside out. Not only have I dropped weight, which wasn't even the goal, I really wanted to detox, I wanted to help my immune system, I wanted to make sure I didn't get sick, Well, a lot of other people were, and superfoods came into my life and changed everything. I now think about what I'm eating. I don't have cravings. I don't eat late night. There is a whole protocol. It's so easy. It's laid out for you. You take it out of the box. It's there. All your food's taken care of, all your nutrients, all your energy, all your protein. It is an amazing way to change your life from the inside out. Superfoods changes everything. It gives you a protocol. It gives you a schedule. You know what to do. You know what you're eating. You feel great. You look great. Your life's getting better. And the one thing I know is you can go to the TheMelKShow.com, go down to Superfoods and you can start your journey because today is the day. I will tell you, I waited and I waited and then I started Superfoods and within three months, my entire life changed uh, for the better, more than I could have imagined. MelKShow.com, go to partners page, down to Superfoods and click on the link and you will find a whole new world that will change your mind, change your body, change your life. So when you get superfoods, that helps me. and helps this show keep going. I cannot tell you how much it's changed my life for the better, and it will yours too. And enjoy the rest of the show. Mel K Superfoods. Get over there now. There's no time like the present. The narrative is falling apart, but as it does, there's so much of this fraudulent disinformation misinformation censorship coming from the globalists and what we need to do is be focused on the facts cut through everything be discerning and get it first and foremost out there to everyone it is important that you know what is going on censorship is getting nuts you guys know it there's accounts all over the place that are fake that are not me i know you guys send me emails and i really appreciate it and you report it and it's on telegram and instagram and twitter and they're not me So I'm super excited to announce We The People with Mel K. Be the first to join. It's a VIP community, just you and me behind a paywall, no trolls, no nothing. We get to know each other. I will give you the facts first. I break a lot of stories a long time before other people. We can talk about past, present, future, history, what we're doing now, solutions for going forward, what 2024 is gonna look like. I'm going to do breaking news, do a lot of deep dives. I'm going to bring that information to you guys first in a live Q&A every week. So please click the link below and join me over there. We are going to create a community, a community that is censorship proof. It's cancel proof. It's truth, it's transparency, it's on the road to God, country, justice, everything that we want in one place. This is the most incredible, amazing time to be alive. As hard as it seems and as difficult as the battle has been for you guys and definitely for me, all I know is that we all are part of the solution. We are all involved and invested and you guys have the passion that I have. So let's join together on live Q and A's once a week with me, Mel Kay. We the people of the United States taking back this nation. This is so exciting, guys. I've been dying to do this and we finally got the technology right. So please join me. Click the link below. Can't wait to get started.